0: Um, we're gonna talk today about Hungry Hearts, but if you go to the next slide and then I'm gonna have you go back. I wanna introduce you to my family right now. Um, we, You already talked about my husband, Scott Martin. He. Um, we met actually at the university of arizona i thought he would be a campus pastor there forever because my kids learned how to sing bear down arizona before they learned to sing jesus love me (laughs) so we are like the real deal wildcat fans if you follow sports or if you know arizona we are fans and so we've been married for 25 years been um just had a fantastic ministry journey in kai alpha together then i have two sons um, the, the one that's on your far left is my, my, far right, is my oldest son, Mercer. And one of the reasons I wanted to introduce my family to you today is we're all in Chi Alpha. So my husband's the national director. I represent as was mentioned cross-cultural missions so i really negotiate all of our global aspect of chi alpha and so before i get to my son i'll talk a little bit more right now about what i do but you talked about mission trips today right that's part of my portfolio and i travel around the nations to college students and i say this Every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, and every student welcomes. What do I mean? Every student needs to go on a cross-cultural trip at least once in their college career. And when I say cross-cultural, I really mean overseas. You need to experience the globe. Why is that? Because as a college student, you really only know what you've seen and understood in the last 20 years of your life. And the gospel message in, at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, Go make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always, and an into the end of the age. Guess what? The moment that you and I are spending today together is the very last moment there has ever been on the planet. You got it? We're like in the last day, the last moment that there has ever been. And he, the the Jesus is asking us to take his good news to the ends of the earth. There is still half the planet that has never had one opportunity to hear the voice of Jesus. That's never heard heard his name and has no idea how to follow him. And. What you learn to do right here in New Mexico to make disciples on the hostile environment of the university campus where they're not begging for Jesus here, are they? The people in your dorm rooms are like, yes, tell me more about Jesus. I can't wait to hear, right? They're not doing that. You know how to make disciples in a harsh, hostile environment, which makes you some of the best Missionaries to make disciples in the least reach of our world. So when I look at Morocco and Egypt and Philippines, you have the opportunity to be with a people who have never heard and you have the opportunity to not just impact your life by taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, but to literally make disciples of all nations. It becomes harder the older that you get and the more established you get in career. Right now, it is the easiest it will ever be. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't have plan B. So it's like if you don't go, it's not like there's like a list of hundreds are going to step in your place like you are plan a you are plan a for let's take the gospel to the ends of the earth and there will be a generation that does it just as there was a generation that held baby jesus and played with boy jesus and walked with man jesus there will be a generation that finishes his work and there's something that rises up deep in me that says let it be us let it be us that kind of can step out of the comfort. When you're 20 years old, you often are living in the aquarium of your experiences. And I guess I could quote Nemo, but you got to get to the ocean. <laughs> Unless you want to live in that aquarium your entire life, right? You have an opportunity to get to the ocean. You go to Morocco, you're going to the ocean. My very first mission trip was in Morocco, and it transformed my life forever. I am jealous. How many people can go on that trip? Uh, Only five of you sign up tonight if there is still space. I am jealous for every one of you that gets to go because it will rock your life. Life. I've been to the Philippines. I have not been to Egypt, but I'm jealous of each of you who gets to go to Egypt because there is a destiny in Kai Alpha that God has called us to open a pipeline to the nations, and that destiny and anointing is over each of you. I grew up in a church culture where when we talked about missions, we would often say things like a missionary would come forward and talk about, like, oh, I'm taking, you know, I'm going to Africa. And in their story, there would always be like an angel visitation. Right? Like an angel visited them and said, Go to Africa. And I kind of had this feeling when I was younger that to do missions, to go global, you kind of had to have the angel. Have you ever thought that? And if you don't have the angel, then missions isn't for you. (laughs) Guess what? Jesus told all of us to go make disciples of all nations. So I'm your angel tonight. (laughs) Go make disciples of all nations. It's not for a select group of like, superstar Christians. It's for all of us. And my mom will sometimes ask me, she's an incredible woman of God, she'll say, Crystal, who's gonna be the next Billy Graham? Who's gonna be the one, who's gonna be the Mother Teresa of our generation? And I look at every one of you in this room and I say, why not you? Because this generation, Randy Hurst, one of our top missiologists, once said the places that can be reached with a mic and a pulpit have already been reached. It's going to take Navy SEALs going into the least reached of our world to take the gospel to every tribe and tongue. So let's not ask the Lord who's going to be the next Billy Graham or who's going to be the next Mother Teresa. Let's step up and say, I will be it. Because I believe it's not going to be a few, it's going to be a many. We still have half the earth that needs to be impacted by the gospel. And so there's no like get out of jail card for this, right? (laughs) Trust me, it's not jail. It'll change your life. So sign up. Um, Be bold to go to the nations. God will make a way for you financially. He'll help you explain it to your parents if they're struggling with you going to Egypt. Um, I'm a parent. I know what that feels like. And so, but he will give you the grace to explain it to your parents in a loving way um, that God will release you and he'll release your voice and you'll make a difference in the nations of the world. So sign up. We go, we give, we pray for the nations, and we welcome the nations. And that's our inner... um, Our work to international students. Um, You have some people here that really, we might have some international students in the room if you're here. I pray you feel the hospitality of the kingdom of God, that you are welcome here and that you are welcome in our midst. As students, when I say you've got to push from the aquarium of your experiences, that means pushing past the aquarium to the oceans of the nations that are on your campus. And can I tell you, you like the water temperature of your aquarium right? It's like feels good in there. It's like all of the water temperature is perfect. And sometimes when you get to the ocean, it feels uncomfortable. But if you could push through to the ocean of the nations on your campus that are waiting for you to not just become a friend, but to become community to the nations you have such an amazing opportunity and this also welcoming the nations is not for like these select people that have some kind of crazy love sometimes we think that like oh wow this person in our groups loves to work with the nation so let's let them do it we're not gonna get it done (laughs) if that's our attitude we really have to understand it's every student goes Every student gives sacrificially. Every student prays and every student welcomes. And so I travel the nation helping apply the Great Commission. This is not just Chi Alpha lingo, my friends. This is making disciples of all nations in our generation. And we can do this if we will. Amen? All right, go on mission trips. (laughs) That's my role, so then I was going to my son on the far left, Mercer, he's a second year law student, also got involved in Chi Alpha as a freshman. Um, Somebody asked him, like, what's your Chi Alpha story? He was like, so he grew up in a Christian home, of course, in my home, and he said, well, he said, I grew up in Willard, Missouri, and I was basically a Pharisee. (laughs) I saw everybody else's sin and judged them for it. (laughs) So what did Chi Alpha bring to his life? Mercy. Thank the Lord for it. And so God has grown him as a small group leader and now is a second year law student at a top 15 law school in the nation. He is a volunteer Chi Alpha leader leading a small group every week, leading missions trips, incredibly involved as a law student in his Chi Alpha ministry. Marcus and Molly are the president and vice president of their Chi Alpha ministry at... Missouri State University. She is a fine arts major and he is a agriculture business major. And so both of them, I believe, have a call into Chi Alpha or missions, and they're like many of you that have a lot of really beautiful paths ahead of them, but are just trying to figure out, God, which one do you want me to pursue? And so they're both in that place of asking God, like, where do you have us for our future? So there's my Chi Alpha family, and we are loving, serving Jesus and serving students all over the nations. Um, My husband just got back from Vietnam last week where he was working to establish Chi Alpha, help Chi Alpha get established in Vietnam. We travel all over the world seeing God do incredible things through students. Amen? Amen? All right, we're going to talk about Hungry Hearts tonight. So how did I come to this title of Hungry Hearts? So when my boys were younger, we decided that we would have family core values. So core values are behaviors that are important to you that guide your behavior. Okay, you hear organizations that have core values. Well, we decided when my boys were little that we would have family core values. What is important to the Martins? And what do we wanna speak over our kids and what do we want that's evident in our family? So here were our core values. The Martins are a people of influence, of excellence, of integrity, and of courage. So when my boys were four and five years old, my husband would say, What are our values? And my son would say, influence, excellence, integrity, and courage. Then by the time they were kindergarten, we're like, well, what does that mean? So we had to teach him in like kindergarten lingo. So he would say, well, we're excellent. So that means that we always do our best. And then we also are people of influence. So what does that mean, Marcus? What does it mean to be a people of influence? And he'd say, well, we help others do their best. We're people of influence. We're people of integrity. Always do what's white. <laughs> That's what my four year old would say. Always do what's white. We're people of integrity and courage. We stand in the face of fear. So those were our core values that we taught our boys from the time when we were young. And then my husband is that he's really loud. If you've ever heard my husband speak, he's super loud. Like you can hear him like miles away. And so the boys would be like getting ready to get on the bus. We kind of live in a rural area where you, you know, run to a bus stop. So the boys are getting ready to run out the door with their lunch boxes and their backpacks. And he'd be like, influence, excellence, integrity, and courage for Christ and his kingdom. And then the boys would have to yell back, for Christ and his kingdom. (laughs) So this was like our life ritual. But when they began to emerge and start writing their college applications, what did they start writing about? What was I rooted in? I was a person of excellence. And we rooted that in the fact that why do we do this? Why are we a people of excellence? For Christ's and his kingdom and so that those were core values that guided the martin family and then as my boys have kind of moved into new seasons of life those are still deeply entrenched inside of them in national chi alpha we have core values for our leaders these are what they are their respect honor unity and prayer core values are the behaviors that we want to start coming to the surface like these that we care about other things too, right? But you kind of look at a family, you look at a core group, you look at an organization and you say, what are those things that we really want to aspire to? So as a national Chi Alpha movement, we want to be a people of prayer. We want to start everything we do and say, Lord, we want to bathe everything in prayer. We want to be a people of unity. We know that unity is the bedrock of authentic change and transformation. We wanna be people of honor and respect. Those are our core values. I also mentioned I am the director of the network of women ministers. In the Assemblies of God, which is the umbrella organization that Chi Alpha finds itself under, many of you come from all different denominations and we respect that greatly because there's many different fragrances, right? (laughs) To the same authentic move of the spirit. But Chi Alpha comes under the Assemblies of God, and at this point, 25% of our credential holders, meaning our ordained ministers in the Assemblies of God, are women, and so God is really moving among our women during a harvest season, saying, yes, I'm ready to step up into the pulpit. Yes, I'm ready to step up into ministry. Why is that? 50% of the earth has not heard, and your country is becoming more secular every second. We need the whole harvest field stepping up into our destinies. And so I get to work with female ministers. And so I, as I took this role two years ago, I wrote some core values. Who are we as a women's organization? Because, you know, there's a lot of women's organizations out there that can be a little bit Kingdom dangerous. Do you kind of know what I'm talking about? So I said, what are my core values? Well, we want to be a people of honor as women. We're never going to badmouth men because we love men. You either want to marry a man someday or we already are married. So we're not going to badmouth men. We're going to be thank God for them. We're going to be people who outdo each other with honor. Second, we're going to be a people of authenticity because honor and truth can coexist. And females in any type of work have had issues of sexual harassment or abuse. And we're not going to be a people that hide that, are we? No, because the gospel can handle whatever we've been through, right? So we can be a people who talk about it. We can be a People who talk about it as a woman sometimes coming into a room and feeling unseen or passed over or not appreciated or not valued or not accepted into certain positions, and it is okay to talk about it. We're people of authenticity. The gospel can ha- handle it, and the strong men around it, us can handle it, right? We're people of authenticity. We're also people of forgiveness. Whatever our wounds are, whether it's because of our gender, our race, um, whatever kind of woundedness we find ourselves in, that we're looking for power because we feel like somebody else has power and we don't, we need to be a people who walk in forgiveness and not create a graveyard to our wounds and spend our life going back and taking flowers to the monuments of our woundedness. And whether it is because of female, ethnic, gender, whatever it is that you find yourself lacking power, do you know what your greatest power comes from? forgiveness we are a people of forgiveness because forgiveness releases justice from our hands into a great god's hand we are a people of forgiveness and in that we are a people of hope we walk forward believing our best days are ahead right as men and women of god working together that is a kingdom ethos so core values i love core values i think they can align our behavior and begin to help us dream and work in a certain way together. So in May 2016, your leaders in National Kaiapha had a prophetic word from the Lord. A prophetic word means a now word. Um, There's words all through the Bible. As we read the word of God, the Lord speaks to us. As we read Psalms 100, and he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lambs. Serve the Lord with gladness. We come into the word of God, in the word of God, and it begins to illuminate, He begins to speak to us as we make a joyful noise. But you guys all know that he speaks to us today also through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And in May 2016, the Lord began to speak very significantly to your Chi Alpha leadership that he is getting ready to send the greatest student awakening the world has ever seen to your generation. There is something deep in our belly that makes us believe that God is willing to unleash his glory, unleash his presence in a way that your parents and your grandparents have not seen. And he is going to ask you to step into a stewarding of this awakening like you have never thought you would even have to step into. If you study revivals or you study awakenings, most modern-day awakenings, meaning like post-1700s, have come on college campuses. And it's come when people, when students, have hungry hearts. And so I began to make a list of core values of revivalists (laughs) what are some behaviors now i'm not going to give you a list we're only going to talk about one today maybe as you gather with your group you can create your own list of core values but i think each of us should adopt the core value of hungry heart if we are going to trust god for a new movement in our day to day. as the world becomes more secular and humanist every Minute of the day, there are a people of God that's coming in the underbelly of the world that is going to erupt like the geyser in Yellowstone and see transformation come to every aspect of our life and society. So, hope is going to come up. Where is hope? Hope, come on up. Hope is coming up to read our scripture aligning our scripture. Okay, so we got Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. All right, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Yeah, go ahead. Good job, Hope. My mentor that tells me, um, that talks to me about growing in spiritual authority, she tells me to do exactly what Hope does. She said to start, like, getting in a microphone, or if you don't have a microphone, like, get in your house somewhere where you can, like, start saying scripture in a way that you actually get it in your spirit and your vocal cords there's something about speaking and reading that's why there's so much um so much of psalms is like shout to the lord because as you begin to get it out of your vocal cords and speak it blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled look at all that authority <laughs> you want to grow in spiritual authority just read scripture blessed are those who hunger Say your scripture like a preacher and see what God does in your heart. (laughs) Good job, Hope. You spoke like a preacher. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what will happen. All of these things will be added unto you. You want to know how to get all these things, all these spiritual blessings? What do we do? We seek first his kingdom. There's a blessing on those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness, for right living, for holiness. Those who, even as I talk to the guys today, those who not just stay away from sin because it makes me a bad person or because I feel shame, but who are willing to stay away away from it because my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times because I'm hungering and thirsting after right living. So in order to see a great awakening, I think that we are going to have to be a people who have hungry hearts. So tonight we're going to talk very quickly on three things that can prevent a hungry heart. Okay, hunger is actually a natural thing, right? So we're naturally hungry. And the reason that I like, if you'll go to the next, if you go to the next slide, I'm gonna, okay, go back. I have this slide with a cute little otter. Can we go to that one? Oh yeah, this one is good. This is a good one. Let's start here. Okay. So, hungry hearts, here's the bottom line. What's that sound food? I haven't eaten in five minutes. I'm starving, fading away. Weak, weak, weak. This is me. I understand physical hunger. I am literally hungry all the time. I I don't really understand it, but I am. And I just just really love to eat. (laughs) And so, I think physical hunger. It, now I have a sister that forgets to eat and sh- I don't understand it. She's like two o'clock and hasn't had lunch. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like I want to eat all the time. So I understand physical hunger. And I think in our authentic selves that we are there is a healthy amount of physical hunger, right? That, and I think spiritually too, I think when we are in a healthy state, we are spiritually hungry, but there are things that can prevent us from walking in this spiritual hunger. So the first one we're going to talk about is too much junk food. This can prevent us. So I looked, I used these three, I don't really like Burger King that much, but I really love Pizza Hut. And I just really do love love egg McMuffins. And I can't help it, I just really do like junk food. (laughs) But what happens is my good friend who is from China, and his grown-up eating, like, all these healthy vegetables, she hates junk food. And she's like, ooh, how can you eat it? Why is that? She didn't allow her body to get acclimated to the junk. And you know that even in... Um, like in, if you think about a bear, you know, a bear like in a campground, if they start eating humans food, they have to euthanize that bear because it no one longer wants the things that are good for that bear. It no longer wants the foliage and no longer wants the berries. It's not it doesn't want it only wants junk food and it will be driven to that which it desires. So what do we do when we find ourselves? think about all the junk in our life that keeps us from the great? Our eating plan when we're dealing with junk food is prayer and fasting. John Piper in a book called A Hunger for God says this, the American church is gluttons for the blessing. We are giving Christ a piece of our heart, but he wants it all. Friends, we are gluttons not just for sin, but even the good things of our life can become so consuming that there is no room for the great. We look at our phones. They're good things. We look at all of our media. They're not terrible things. We're not pointing but they become junk food that consumes us with all those little things, so there is no room for the great. John Piper also says this, overindulgence in the blessing can keep Christians from the fullness in Christ as much as sin can. It keeps our appetite for the things of the world rather than the things of God. Just as my appetite is for an egg McMuffin in the morning rather than a healthy um, egg white and turkey bacon breakfast. In the same way, our appetites are turned toward the junk food in our society. So what do we do to shift that is Fasting is a very important attribute for an American Christian. If you are in a country where we are not in decadence of abundance, let me just tell you this. Some of us um, in American standards are below the poverty line. But can I can tell you that what global middle class is, is you make between $300 and $500 a month and live in a city at the cost level of New York City. That's the global middle class. And so when we think about ourselves, we are a people of excess, even if we are below the poverty line in America. We have incredible blessings that sometimes we don't even recognize. And because of that, sometimes we fight for the blessing instead of the bless-er right? We look for the good things in life instead of the one who is good. And what fasting does is it says this, and, and I'm a fan of fasting food because maybe just because I love it so much, but fasting food engages your whole body. Fasting technology engages parts of you and it can be good because it's junk food. But fasting food, actually, here's here's what you say when you set a meal aside or you set some meals aside in a day, is you're saying, God, I love you more. You thank the Lord for your food, right? Because we're grateful for the great provisions in our life. But you say, God, I'm going to set aside this meal because I love you more than this meal. I thank you and appreciate and love you more this than this fantastic. I had such a fantastic meal yesterday. Where where did we eat? On Delays. It was so delicious. It was it was amazing. Like I'm not gonna forget that meal at On Delays. It was those um, green chili stacked enchiladas. I still have like a sliver of it in the refrigerator that I feel like I might have a midnight snack tonight. Okay, so you guys, we are blessed people, but there's something about saying I'm gonna set on delays aside because as much as I love that and as much as I love the blessing in my life, I'm gonna set it aside because I need the power of the blesser more than I need the calories of on delays, right? And so people who are consumed with the Lord or want to be hungry, some of us are not hungry and we're kind of sad about it. So how do we begin to shift our appetite? I started a lifestyle of fasting 13 years ago and it began to change my life as I began to see I'm setting aside the blessing for the blesser and the blesser became more important to me than the blessing. And I saw a shift in my appetite from the things of the, world to the things of heaven we fast and we pray prayer we give thanksgiving for who god is and for what he's done and again we're better at giving him thanks for what he's done but remember to give him thanks for who he is and it is through fasting and prayer for who he is not just what he's done that will begin to shift our appetite got it so if you're indulging in too much junk food, which BTW we all are, <laughs> then you need to incorporate prayer and fasting. I, res- I need the bless-er more than the blessing. Our second thing that keeps us from hungering is picky eaters. You see this little guy? This is what picky eaters look like <laughs> when they're trying new things. Now, I have a niece, she's 14 years old, and she's, my sister married a very tall man. He's six foot seven, so I have a niece that's like 5'11 at 14, so she towers over me. And she's coming over to my house to spend the night, and I know she is a picky eater, okay? She just only has a very small palate. So I call her and I said, okay, Brooke, what do you, what will you eat for breakfast? And she told me her favorite cereal, like Lucky Charms. So i'm like okay i'm just gonna go get like a massive box of lucky charms and at least this girl will eat so i get the lucky charms i get the milk out it's the next morning i'm taking her to a volleyball game so i mean that's not like a breakfast of champions (laughs) we don't have wheaties but she wanted lucky charms she's a picky eater and auntie is going to give her lucky charms so she gets there i get the milk out and she starts making this face like what's wrong I I mean I got you your lucky charms isn't that what you told me you wanted she made this horrible looking face because I bought skim milk who knew and so she looked at me and she's like oh no I I can't eat skim milk I can't drink it it's too disgusting what do you mean she's like "I, I just won't have breakfast this morning she was nice about it she wasn't rude but she was like just sorry Aunt Crystal that that's just too gross it's like drinking water it's like putting water on my milk and my cereal and I just can't do it I was like are you joking me so she didn't eat it I mean she's like a very strong willed person (laughs) I could not get her to drink I mean to eat Lucky Charms with skim milk just not do it but Picky eating can keep us from nutrition, can't it? Picky eating can keep us from the things that are going to make us whole. And in the same way, picky spiritual eating can keep us from growing in our fullness. So what does that look like in the spiritual framework? Oh, that small group. I just don't think they're very, they're, they're not really inviting. I just don't know if I see hospitality there. And it Pickiness is very me-focused, okay? So I live, it's like, oh, man, they're just not doing it right. That person, I just don't know if I like that worship. I don't even know those songs. How am I supposed to enter into worship when I don't even know the songs that they're singing? Or Oh, those are grandma's songs. Like, my grandma likes them, but those, I just, I can't do that. That's not going to, like, lead me into loving Jesus. Picky eating, picky spirituality will keep us from wholeness and fullness so it was at one of our world mission summits one of our large missions conferences that you will have an opportunity to be at in a year and a half it's awesome so we had one of our speakers and he's actually a he was a pastor in iraq and his story is so dynamic he was from a muslim background he went to study in lebanon and it was while he was in lebanon he found jesus He goes back to his country of Iraq and he went to Lebanon to get a visa to immigrate to the United States because his family was experiencing persecution. And they were a family of means and so they had the financial means to get into Lebanon and get a visa to come to America. But while he was in Lebanon, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go back to Iraq and I want you to bring Jesus to my people. And so he's going back to his wife who is not a believer, right? And he goes back to his wife and says, she said, oh, do you have the visa? Like she's packed and ready to go. They're in a season of war and persecution under Saddam Hussein, so this is 15 years ago. War, persecution, under the rule of Saddam Hussein, They need to leave Iraq. And he goes to his wife and said, I'm just so sorry, but God told me to stay here so I didn't get the visa. Well, you can imagine his wife is not too happy with him. (laughs) Like, what in the world? So anyway, after six months, his wife, he leads his wife to the Lord. And so now they're both on mission together. We are here in Iraq to share the gospel. So they start having small group. They start bringing people to the faith and they start seeing Muslims come to the faith quickly. God starts doing a work among them and revival starts spreading in Iraq. This is pre desert storm, pre our military going into Iraq. And so God was doing great things among them in Iraq. But while they were there, what started happening is people wanted to start gathering and it was against the law to gather in a home so they started going underground but What happened was the Holy Spirit began moving so strong among them that when they would gather in Pastor Jewel's home, they would literally take all the furniture out of the entire house on like Tuesday and they would change different nights. So nobody like it was all underground and they would move all the furniture out of the house and people would come in and God began to move. One of those nights, a knock on the door came. Pastor Jules was taken out by the secret police and locked away in prison, probably never to be released because gathering was against the law and gathering in the name of Jesus was against the law. And can I tell you this? Pastor Jules didn't go to prison and face imminent death because of his relationship with Jesus. He went to prison and faced imminent death because of the need to gather as the people of God do not think you can do church alone in your closet. Yeah. Because if Pastor Jules was willing to live for it and willing to die for it, do we are we such a picky people that we cannot find community with other people who love Jesus? Yeah. So yeah. we have to move past our pickiness. What's the antidote for moving past our pickiness? Our eating plan is to grow in love. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for who? For each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So this is in Thessalonians, the apostle speaking to the people. May his love grow for one another. And what that means is it means transgenerational love. If you end up in a church where they're singing old granny songs, do you know you're loving grannies by staying there? Your love is growing for an older generation by loving the things that they love. Yeah. Your love begins to grow. So when you find yourself so picky that you cannot find community, take this verse, write it on your mirror, and ask the Lord, grow me in your love for your people. Because how is the world going to know where his disciples our love one for another, not even our love for this campus. It's how we love each other here. And can I tell you, this is only one body of Christ. When you go to your local church, that is your body. And even though there are things that do not fit your preference, I'm telling you, church has become a preference. We pick church like we do our fast food on Friday night, right? And it's so preference and we are so picky about our preferences that we do not enter into kingdom community. And so ask the Lord that he will grow you in love for his people, amen? Write this verse on your mirror. And lastly, the third thing that will prevent us from a hungry heart, the only thing, (laughs) when you try to hide being sick, but it's not working, my kids were huge SpongeBob kids. I don't know if any of you guys are, but like, they grew up on SpongeBob. So, I the only way that you can tell I'm sick is if I. That's the only time I don't want to eat, right? Um, I literally love food, and so I have to be sick. So if you're if, if I come to you and I'm like I'm gonna miss a meal, then you know I'm sick, right? So. Being too sick to eat is a, something that will keep us from, and actually many people die. That's really a, a cause of death is you start losing your appetite when you are sick and you just can't eat and people die from lack of nutrition. And so it's in, in the world, it's a dark thing. I mean, if you stop eating, then you're walking toward death. And so some of us are too sick to eat. So what what is the spiritual sickness that makes us too sick to eat the things of the Lord? Sin. Yeah. Sin is the sickness of our spiritual life. So what if we see ourselves we are too sick? We don't feel hungry for the things of the Lord. We actually feel more hungry for the things of our flesh. We feel hungry or we feel more passionate about feeding our flesh than we feel about feeding our spirit. What do we do when we see that in our lives? Because lack of hunger, all of these things are a indication, not that you're a terrible person, not that you need to walk in shame. Not Being not hungry is an indication, like I gotta pay attention to what's going on inside of me, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm so shameful, I'm, I'm not spiritually hungry, it's like, Thank you, Lord, for illuminating in me my lack of hunger so I can shift things in my life so that I can hunger for the right things. So our antidote for this is actually or our eating plan is confessing our sins. It's really that simple. And it says in John 1.9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we find ourselves sick with sin, which dulls our appetite for the things of the Lord, you'll actually start finding yourself annoyed by hungry people. I remember there was a girl in my Chi Alpha group and we were going to a prayer meeting and she was like, uh spiritual, spiritual, why are you doing another prayer meeting? <laughs> well, you know, you can get physically tired, but she really was dealing with a sin issue and she did not want to be around spiritual things. Spiritual, 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 like really, do you guys have to pray again? Um, when that starts happening, then we know our hunger is being dulled because hungry people are going to see results because what yeah. did our hope read to us with her spiritual authority? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right living. What will happen to them? They will be filled. So we will review. We need hungry hearts. If we need to avoid being too full of junk food, we need to pray and fast, we need to avoid being picky, we need to grow in our love, and we need to avoid being too sick to eat by confessing our sins one to another and praying for one for another. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come as we close. Thank you for engaging tonight and for being at Chi Alpha making the effort to be here tonight will transform your life because you're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to community. You're saying yes to accountability. You're saying yes to leadership. You're saying yes to all the things that help you grow in hunger. So tonight, the fact that you came out and said, I want to be with the people of God is a sign within you that you have the makings of hunger. But I do believe that a people that are going to usher in this last great awakening are going to have a deep level of hunger. That aren't just going to have to discipline themselves into prayer, but are going to be driven to prayer. That are not having to just discipline themselves to spend time with the people of God, but are going to be driven to the people of God because they hunger and thirst. And trust me, I feel driven to a donut every day. And so I like get it, right? We get it what it means to be driven to something. The Holy Spirit wants to drive us deeper into his place. So my musicians will play. We're going to end. If you guys will stand. As the music is playing and we're not gonna start worshipping yet. I just want you to kind of lock yourself in, you and Jesus. I just want you to ask him, Lord, are there blockages in my life that are keeping me from hunger? If there are, and you have a pen, paper, a journal, a phone in front of you, I'd actually like you to write it down um, because it's gonna give you something to take with you. If you if you're thinking, man, I have been a little bit picky, I've been focused on myself. I have been a little, there's sin in my life and I can tell it's dulling my hunger for the Lord or I am full of junk food. I spend way too much time on Netflix. Um, I spend way too much time kind of like dulling the pain of my life instead of gauging into the fullness of the Lord by eating junk food and emotional eating of all kinds. So I'm just gonna ask us. So I'm looking at the clock. I'm gonna ask you to take three minutes and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if he does or when he does, if you'll just write it down um, so you have something to go forth and pray over.